The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Friday, the 17th of February in London. Coming up today... New face, same deadlock. The Prime Minister visits Northern Ireland as he tries to finalise a Brexit deal with the EU. Talons out. Two Fed hawks push the case for more jumbo rate hikes. Too fast, Hugh Curious. Bank of England Chief Economist Hugh Pill says there's a risk of over-tightening. Centrica fuels windfall debate. CEO's broken crystal balls and UK football on sale. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, does it pay to be smarter? A Swedish study finds super earners aren't necessarily super clever. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Lizzie Burden. Here are the stories we're following today. Rishi Sunak is visiting Northern Ireland today as speculation grows. He could be close to securing an updated post-Brexit trade deal with the EU. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports. There's mounting speculation a deal will soon be reached on post-Brexit trade rules in Northern Ireland. The Prime Minister is in Belfast today for talks with politicians as all sides look to resolve long-standing divisions over the Northern Ireland Protocol. In Brussels, Foreign Secretary James Cleverley will have lunch with European Commission President Maros Seshkovic. And over the weekend, Sunak will head to Germany for talks with Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. The quickening pace of diplomacy suggests that an agreement could come in the next few days. Whether it will satisfy hardliners in the Democratic Unionist Party and keep Sunak's backbenchers on side, well, that is still the key question. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. So that for the UK. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve official Loretta Mester and her colleague James Bullard have both signalled that they would be open to a 50 basis point rate increase. I think we can lock in this disinflationary trend by continuing to have policy rate increases during 2023, even though the real economy looks like it's going to uh, continue to grow and the labor market uh, broadly across the country looks like it remains strong. So that was the St. Louis Fed President James Bullard, who favours more aggressive action to tame uh, price pressures and wouldn't rule out a half-point hike in March. Echoing the hawkish sentiment, Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester, who says that officials could take the benchmark above 5% in the next Fed meeting. Those warnings come after US producer prices rebounded in January by the most since June and jobless claims also came in below expectations. And in UK central banking, Bank of England Chief economist Hugh Pill signalled policymakers are ready to slow down. He says there's a risk of over-tightening if the pace over the past few months is maintained. UK retail sales numbers are out at 7am. They'll give a clue as to how far consumer spending is holding up. 
Now, Bank of America is planning to cut jobs at its investment bank. Sources tell Bloomberg the exact number is still under discussion, but could affect fewer than 200 bankers. Bloomberg's Sue Keenan says that Bank of America is another major U.S. bank to turn pessimistic. Bank of America had announced it was pausing hiring in recent months. It appeared reluctant to impose actual job reductions and admitted just last week to ambitious hiring and wanting to win the talent wars well into 2022, even as its net income had started to decline and concerns about a recession were increasing. So Bloomberg, Sue Keenan there. Well, those recession concerns, they did also lead Goldman Sachs to announce layoffs in the last week of some 6.5% of the bank's headcount. And YouTube CEO Susan Roshitsky is stepping down after nine years running the video division of Google. One of the most well-known women in Silicon Valley, Roshitsky is helped to turn Google's ad displays into a money-making machine. Google's video ads business has helped has more than tripled in size over the past five years, reaching 20 $29.2 billion in 2022. Okay, those are a few of our top stories for you this morning. Look, I just want to pick up on the YouTube story um, because um, Wojcicki, of course, spent 25 years at Google. She was famous for hiring out the garage um, to the founders of Google and she leaves in the wake of a very large number of high-profile women um, exiting Silicon Valley. The concern, though, is that some of those women have then left really uh, and have then had a very low profile afterwards. A lot of kind of question marks about why that is. You know, think Meg Whitman, think Ginny Romerty, those sorts of kind of powerhouse women from Silicon Valley then going. Now there's another one. Yeah, I hope it's not a trend. The other story that's caught my eye today, Caroline, is Brexit. Rishi Sunak on his surprise visit to Belfast. Really, it's a high stakes gamble, this one. He's got to please Brussels. He's got to please the Democratic Unionist Party. Mm. They're not going to want anything that looks like a border in the Irish Sea. And he's got to please the Brexiters in his party. So big gamble here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Also, of course, can't forget that there are more strikes coming. The nurses, the postal workers, they've announced more uh, action. And this time it's going to be in A&E, in accident and emergency rooms, not just kind of nurses who work on the wards. I think it's getting really quite dangerous. Yeah, the posties say that they don't want a gig economy uh, from the Royal Mail. They think it's going to lead to thousands of job losses. So turning up the pressure on the government. Okay, up next, Centrica fuels the windfall tax debate, CEOs broken crystal balls and UK football on sale. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. 
This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Well, joining us now to run us through the front pages is Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans. Leanne, a story about obscene profits for energy firms on the front of the eye. Yes, indeed. And it leads some of a few of the other papers today, Lizzie. And this is all about MPs and poverty campaigners really calling on the British gas owner Centrica to use its record profits we saw coming yesterday to compensate vulnerable families who were forced on prepayment meters. And this comes after that investigation by the Times newspaper, which revealed energy firms were targeting homes in fuel poverty by using court warrants on what the paper describes as an industrial scale. But according to the FT, the energy company has hit back and is defending itself after its more than threefold rise in operating profits to a record £3.3 billion pounds for 2022. As mm. I said, Caroline, they came in yesterday, those profits. Yes. Centrica says, Caroline, it's paying over £1 billion in windfall tax and has also extended its £250 million share buyback programme. However, we also saw yesterday the chief executive, Chris O'Shea, coming in cr- under increasing pressure to say if he's going to take his bonus or not. So real divisions here when it comes to profits and energy and the cost of living crisis. Yeah, OK, so that's on Centrica. Um, Meanwhile, the Financial Times says that CEOs are being forced to ditch decades of forecasting habits, hence uh, our crystal balls headline. (laughs) Yes, indeed, Caroline. So... Top IKEA executive Jesper Broden says he's not usually one to indulge in nostalgia. Now, this is according to the FT reporter Anne Sylvain Chastney. However, at a gathering for senior managers, he could not help but join in with the chorus of those who said they missed the old times, reflecting on the old times when the world seemed relatively stable, trends were predictable, and this could be translated into a more or less credible multi-year business plan. According to the newspaper, Broden's reflections resonate across the corporate world and CEOs are struggling to make sense of the confusing macroeconomic signals. The worst predictions of economic crisis and energy shortages from last year have just not materialised, according to the paper, but it feels uniquely hard to predict a path ahead at the moment. And she does make the point in the paper in the UK auditing firms are worried that the forecast their corporate clients submit to them for sign-off are just too impossible to assess. And Leanne, I know you're a sports fan. The Telegraph's got the front page headline, the hurdles Sir Jim Ratcliffe's going to have to clear if he wants to buy United. Yes, indeed. So the battle to buy Manchester United is only beginning as interested parties now jockey for position and line-up support. Investors linked to the Qatari World royal family are going to be putting in a bid to buy Manchester United and that's a 
according to reports. The Rain Group, who are organising the potential sale on behalf of the Glazer family, have asked for all these initial bids to be made before 10pm UK time tonight. But according to Tom Morgan, the sports news correspondent, and Sam Wallace, the chief football writer in The Telegraph, they say there was this meeting between the Qatari ruling Emir and the UEFA president in France this week ahead of this bid coming in. Mm-hmm. Now, Qatar owns Paris Saint-Germain. We know that. And the biggest obstacle in all of this could be the European rule protecting the integrity of the champions and Europa leagues from multi-club ownership. Jim Radcliffe, he's Britain's 27th wealthiest person. Now, he's going to put a bid in, but he's going to have to rely on bankrolling from JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. And this is something the Qatar royal family is not going to have to rely on. So there we are. Lots of jockeying for this position to buy Man U. Oh, yeah. I better be in the newspapers then if the deadline is tonight. Over the weekend, we'll hear more. Thank you so much, Leanne Gerrans, with our look at the newspaper stories this morning. Now, let's move on. Bloomberg's ranking of the hedge fund industry's winners and losers is out today and with some new entrants in the top slots some familiar names posted posting billions in losses who better to discuss than friend of the show Bloomberg Wealth's Charlie Wells good morning Charlie thanks for being uh, in studio with us the 15 highest earners in the hedge fund space brought in almost I can't believe I'm going to say this, $14 billion last year. Who topped the list? Yeah, so uh, my paycheck certainly wasn't as big as uh, <laughs> okay. some of these hedge fund managers. But, you know, it's some of the usual suspects, right? So Ken Griffin of Citadel, he topped the list, $4.1 billion. Steve Cohen right after, 0.72. That's a multi-strategy fund, $1.9 billion. Izzy Englander of Millennium brought in $1.9 billion as well. But as you said, new entrants here. And one really interesting one is Saeed Haidar of Haidar Capital brought in almost $9 million. And his entry really shows, you know, how to get ahead in the hedge fund space, which is basically you make a strong conviction call. And if it goes right, you leap ahead of the rest and you make a lot of money. And Haidar's conviction, his bet here, was that interest rates would climb at a rapid clip. He correctly positioned himself and that landed him in the sixth spot on this list. Do you know what, Charlie? I don't feel bad because there's a story on the terminal today about the biggest earners not necessarily being the smartest (laughs) workers beyond 60K. It's not about brains, this study says. (laughs) But make all feel better. Which managers lost money? Right. So these people don't necessarily, you know, lack brains, the ones who lost money. And so these are a lot of the long, short equity funds. So these are people like Chase Coleman of Tiger Global lost $1.7 billion. That should potentially make one feel a bit better. Dan Sundime of D1 Capital lost $1.1 billion. And these were a lot of the folks that had placed significant bets on tech and China going into last year. And we know how that story ended. Okay. That's interesting. So then, overall, what do the rankings tell us about the strategic shifts underway in the hedge fund industry? So I got a Friday fun fact for you, and that is that there are more hedge funds than listed stocks in the United States. So there are a lot of funds here. But what we see when we look overall at the space is that move away from long-short equity. That just has not been performing in the way that it, it... should have for a hedge fund industry. I mean, the name hedge literally is in the name of these funds. And there is that move to these multi-strategy, these micro, or excuse me, these macro funds that bring an array of investment options to investors that seem to have be, been performing much better than those long short.
Mm, okay, what surprised you most out of this story then? And what do you think we can learn from it in terms of 2023? You know, I think it is the difficulty of making the right call, right? I think anyone going into 2022 would have potentially thought maybe, you know, tech could rebound. Um, and that, you know, a lot of these traditional names that we've seen, Citadel, Point72, Millennium, they had not been attracting as much attention over the previous years. And it really had been about long short. Um, and so it's hard to say what strategy will sort of come and go. But based on the way that the market looks right now, it's looking like it's that multi-strategy. It sort of bets on lots of different outcomes is the way to go. And that does seem to be the trend, doesn't it? I just wanted to pick up on the study that you mentioned, that (laughs) Swedish study, uh, because it needs to be explained, doesn't it? Higher intelligence is connected to higher wages. But according to this bit of Swedish research, and they have done it, um, it's quite in depth. So they took the IQ results of a a large cohort of men who went in to do military service. So when they were 60,000 of them. Yeah, lots. when they were kind of 18, 19, and then they looked at their pay when they were aged between 35 and 45. They said that, that intelligence only connects to higher wages up to a certain point, up to 50 grand was the level. Then after that, doesn't have much to do with your brains, other, st- other things. And actually, the people in the top 1% of earners scored worse than the people just below them. In our household, we're always complaining about the middle third rising to the top. Ah. Uh, But there's a quote that says, extreme occupational success is more likely driven by family resources or luck than by ability. So it brings us back to the Nepo baby debate, doesn't it? It's not just acting and fashion. Nepo babies? Surely it's not just to do with that. I mean, it is to do also with, you know, the, the things that are harder to measure, right? Your EQ. Etc. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app, and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 11:30. I'm Caroline Hepker, and I'm Lizzie Burden. Join us again tomorrow morning for. All the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.